Welcome to Beyond the 52, the podcast ministry of North Cincinnati Community Church. I am your host, Eric, and we are here today with Mark Shaw. Mark is an elder here at North Cincinnati Church. He is a longtime employee of GE, husband of Connie, uh, father of five kids, one who's in the house, two who are in college, maybe three, maybe, I don't know, Eli maybe have moved on, and then two who are maybe in the real world. So. Uh, he is a uh, builder of tables. He is a uh, an avid uh, Mexico mission tripper. Is there anything else um, you'd yeah, like to add yeah, to that introduction, yeah, that, Mark? That's probably all we need to know about that's me. That's all we need to know. Good. <laughs> Good. Well, it's great to have you uh, to talk about an issue that I think is really, really important for Christians to have a, a biblical foundation, uh, which is civil or cultural unrest. Just how do you think about it? How do you approach it? Because um, it's... it's um, a lot of times we either are um, passive, uh, which is not is not great, or we just kind of are, are all in. So, um, kind of taking a step back to uh, talk about just in light of the events that happened 14 days ago, just how do how do we as Christians who seek to follow Christ in all of life think about how to engage these types of things culturally? So, uh, Mark, you wrote a blog post on this, and I thought it was great to now do a little bit of a double click and do a face-to-face interview. So thank you so much for uh, your time to do this, but also the courage to talk about a topic that's that's really not easy to talk about. So, um, but I'd love to start off with this question, just um, just a general question of just, just why. What led you to want to engage this issue? What led you to want to write about it? What led you to want to be interviewed by me uh, in a podcast? Yeah, just, just why. Yeah, so probably the best way to begin that is to say my natural disposition is probably to be more passive than active in these, um, which is interesting. I've never written a blog post before, ever, in my life. I've done a few podcasts at GE, but they've been on engineering topics, not on social topics. Maybe we'll do that next time, huh? Yeah, if you want want to talk 3D (laughs) printing, I'm your guy. but it, it really started, honestly, with a conversation at work. Um, this this is not unique. This is this conversation is everywhere. Uh, we're talking about it at work. We're talking about uh, inclusion at work. Uh, a lot of different topics. And one of my coworkers um, said that she felt like she wanted to hear more from the leaders. In that case, from GE, where I work. Um, but it caused me to reflect about the church and leadership position I have in church. And um, I think people do want to help process this. That's why I'll describe this. I'm not here to provide any sort of definitive word. If that's why you're tuning in, mm-hmm. you can probably just turn off now. But I do think it's helpful to think through some of these uh, topics. Um, so that was really the impetus for me to, to put my thoughts to paper. Yeah, I love that. I love how you, how you kind of said, well, I'm not here to, to announce a definitive word, a black and white, here is, here is this, but, but really to offer pastoral help, you know, after you've kind of digested uh, the scriptures and thought about what's happening, just how do you approach this. So that's great. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, my next question is this, you know, it's been 14 days uh, since, the, since the, uh, the attack on the Capitol, since um, that civil unrest that took place that all of us are aware of and know about. Um, you know, someone might wonder why it perhaps may have, have taken two, 14 days uh, to respond to this. So what would you say to somebody who maybe have 
would have that question. Why is it taking two weeks uh, for, for you, for the church, to respond to what happened 14 days ago? Yeah, I think that's a fair and awesome question. Um, I, for me, there's two things. Um, I'm a person who processes information. Um, I've noticed even within our session meetings that I'm often the last person to speak um, only because some people process externally. I have to get it all worked out in my brain. Mm -hmm. um, so that 14-day period was certainly helpful for me just to understand what do I believe or think and what mm -hmm. should we, we do. Um, and then there's, if I'm being uh, a little bit transparent, um, I would say I am concerned that no matter what I say or anyone says on this topic, there um, it may be heard with political undertones. Uh, so I will, I will say my desire here today is to be as apolitical as possible. Um, this is not a position of one party or the, the other. Um, and I've really, uh, in fact, during those 14 days, I've really stepped back and, and tried to remove um, the biases that, that I naturally go into scripture with, you know, mm -hmm. looking for where's that verse that support, you know, I believe this, there must be verses that support what, verse, so that, uh, trying not to do that. <laughs> and mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do is to uh, just search scripture and say, this is God's revealed word to us. Mm -hmm. What does God have, whether I like it or not, <laughs> mm -hmm. what does God's word say to us on the topic of justice? So, social responsibility. So great. So let's let's move into that, <laughs> shall we? Sure. Yeah. Just what are what does God's word say on this topic? Just uh, when it comes to civil unrest, civil disobedience, injustice. Um, yeah, all those topics. Just as you search the scriptures, as you have um, uh, yourself to to know how to approach mm -hmm. this. Is what have you learned? What have you seen? Yeah. So if you read um, my blog or the whatever I posted on the blog. I don't know if it's my blog. <laughs> um, I, I concluded, I summarized it in four words. Uh, justice, judgment, um, uh, authority, and then love. Um, and, but I really started with justice. So I knew the Bible said a lot about justice. Um, what I wanted to do is to see if what the Bible said about justice was consistent with, I'll say, the general... <laughs> American idea of what justice is when we use that word, or even myself personally. Um, and then justice led me to think about things like how is that different than judgment? And then mm -hmm. what about, you know, what about governments and authorities? The Bible isn't silent on that as well. Um, so that's, that's really, if I, f if I frame, um, if I frame the kind of, I guess that's my four point sermon, my four point, my four ideas, the four things I heard. From scripture. Um, so let's talk about justice. So when I went and looked at justice, um, I, I looked, uh, I literally just looked through scriptures every time the word justice was used, and then I would read that chapter and then tried to get the, the full view of scripture. And, and uh, most of us know there's a lot it's said in the Old Testament, and then also in the New Testament, we're all familiar with uh, with James, uh, where he says, uh, when he's talking about orphans and widows, and Matthew 25 is a well-known passage. Um, but the Old Testament, there's, there's a lot uh, 
talking about justice. Um, and there's consistently, I see a couple themes. Number one, and, and I'll summarize first and then we'll talk about. So it seems to talk about those who don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. um, and so it talks about the orphan, the fatherless, uh, the widow, the sojourner, the mm -hmm. foreigner. If I think about why, why is justice required for those, it's because um, they're not part of the community in the mm -hmm. same sense that you know the the normal Israelite was part of that community. They didn't have a voice, um, and it's not just one or two passages. Consistently throughout Scripture, talking about those and and that um, Israel was being held accountable. Um, in fact, I think there's Isaiah. If I get uh, reference it's Isaiah 58 so if you want to be challenged go read Isaiah 58 but in Isaiah 58 God is pronouncing judgment on Israel for not responding correctly to those that that community so the orphan the widow the mm -hmm. sojourner in, in fact he even says um, that you um, you were once foreigners when you were in Egypt uh, which caused me to think about America. <laughs> Unless we are full-blooded Native Americans, which I am not, <laughs> um, I'm largely Europe of European descent, um, not myself, but certainly my great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents came to this country mm -hmm. as a foreigner. Um, so I, I just think about our responsibility to, mm -hmm. to welcome um, and make sure that their voice is heard. Mm -hmm. um, particularly where there's discrimination or there's difficulty and there's places within our government or society, natural biases that cause us not to, um, cause, cause their voice not to be heard sure. and their needs not met. You know, one of the things that you reminded me of, even in the Isaiah 58 passage and, and other Old Testament passages in particular, and even you see in the in the in the life of in ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, is um, so much of the scriptures. There are commands to, uh, to to love justice, to do justice, to act, uh, to be kind, and to, and to walk humbly with your God. But a lot of times, what you see in the prophets is God showing up and speaking to God's people who are acting unjustly. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 a lot of the scriptures in the context of how we learn about what justice is and what justice isn't is that it's, it's not being done, right? Mm -hmm. Injustices from God's people who are supposed to embody um, and image the God of justice are failing to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to um, governments and uh, political leaders, um, how, how does the Christian respond to injustice that they see in the polis, mm -hmm. in the city, with government officials, um, just generally, how would you answer somebody who is curious to know that question? What is the responsibility of a Christian when we believe that that governments are not acting justly? Yeah, this is a really hard question. Yeah, just to say, it's like this is no like the answer is. Yeah, it's a really that's a really hard question, but I think that's a really important question to at least ponder and and figure out. It's an extremely important question, um, and I've not completely figured out the answer in my own mind. Um, a couple things that I did see, uh, I'll say that God revealed to me in his word as I was looking through scripture. Um, so I'll, I'm going to probably hit this from a couple different angles because I 
don't know how to hit it on. Yeah. So, so one is this idea of when people often say, um, let justice be done, justice be served. Mm-hmm. Uh, I demand justice. Um, there, there may be in that a biblical view that we just discussed, that here's a, here's a people, here's a group who for whatever reason uh, are not being treated fairly and we need to make sure they treat fairly. Um, often when I hear that, it sounds more like the word judgment, mm. um, that, that people are crying for some punitive response let justice be served. And I think the Bible does talk about judgment, <laughs> but, but biblical judgment is different than justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll tell you one of the things that I found difficult as I looked to, the, to judgment and our response as Christians. Um, I think it's in Romans 13 um, that says, uh, do not judge, uh, the, judge, do not judge others. Uh, in fact, it even says, I think in Corinthians, um, what do you have to do with outsiders, meaning non-Christians? So what do we as a church, why are we as a church judging an unbelieving world, mm. right? And that, I mean, I'm maybe as we're even hearing that now, that we're like, it doesn't sound right. Like, mm-hmm. how it shouldn't we be actively involved? And so the way... As I thought about that, the way I think, the way I process it is that um, I think when it says, what do you have to do with outsiders? It's not saying ignore, live, live in isolation in your Christian community. Sure. <laughs> Join a commune, build a wall, never speak. I don't think that's the message there. What I do think it's saying, though, is that when we engage in um, conversations about justice, about right and wrong, when we do that with an unbeliever, their basis of truth is different than ours. Yes. Right? So I can, we, you and I can have this conversation, and we can disagree, mm-hmm. but, but we're going to hopefully look to the Word, look to the Scripture, look to what we believe God is saying, and try to find some bellwether in the storm yeah. <laughs> together. Right? We may never fully understand, but, but if you and I are talking, and you're, you're, you're a pastor, and I'm an unbeliever, I'm an atheist, I'm going to just tell you what I think, and you're going to tell me does the scripture say, and I'm going to say I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the way I read that. That if we try to reason without the Spirit, and so I actually see that a call to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So one of our responses should be, we as a church have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ and His Spirit, which enlightens our eyes. And so that we can see good and evil and truth yeah. and make those judgments. Um, so it may feel a bit that I'm sidestepping the question, but I think our first call is, is and, and even if we think about governments, when we think about people, you know, we want to seat people in government who are Christians and have Christian ideals. And for the unbeliever in government, our desire should be that they become Christians, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, so. I think, um, so I think that's difficult. I mean, I think saying do not judge, um, there's much more that can be said, but I, I, think, I think if we'd lead first with, hey, let's, let's look, to, how, how can I help you see yeah. the, the truth that I've been given? Um, the second part of that is in my three, justice, judgment, um, and authority, 
the Bible is clear that God has established authority. And when we resist authority, we resist God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I think that's easy when we agree with the authority. We're like, oh yeah, well, I, you know, I generally like the police. I support the police. They protect me. <laughs> that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. they, they promote peace in my community. I'm thankful for, for the Mason Police Department. But when there's somebody of a political opinion that's vastly different than mine, um, whether they are seated in the office of the president or either a local city council, man or woman, um, how do I process that? How do I think that, that God, who, who, if I think in terms that God, that person who I think is completely wrong on this topic or most topics, that God is the person who seated that person there. Um, that's another very tough idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then even as I think through that, I think about the commandment to love our enemy and those who persecute us. Some of us may say we're being persecuted by those government authorities, uh, and our command is to love. Mm -hmm. And we might not use the term as enemy, but um, and <laughs> I think if we're honest, maybe we would say that politically that person is my enemy. They, they're completely opposite and what I believe to be true. Mm -hmm. My response to that person is to love that person. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, if it's a president sitting in the office, I never will meet that person, but I think in the way I respond to that person and describe what that person is doing uh, reflects m the position of my heart against or for that person. Mm. Um, so I think one of the things that, it, that was reinforced to me was that, um, we are to honor the office of authority. So police, local government, uh, federal government, all those that God has put in authority. Um, nowhere in our response to social injustice <laughs> uh, should we dishonor the authority God mm -hmm. has put in place. Mm -hmm. um, well, I have a, a follow-up to that. Yeah. Which I think is a, is a, is a, is right in line and a good question. Because um, I'm hearing you say that, yeah, I mean, there is. It's, it all goes back to trusting God, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it really does. It's like God, why did you put this city council member in, or mm -hmm. who's spending their money this way, or why did you put this person in office who I disagree with A, B, and C mm -hmm. on? Yeah, there's just that is a very, very important and relevant question, and it's disorienting for a lot of people. Uh, both inside the church and outside of the church. And the first step should always be, God, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, what, why is this person here? What are, the, what are you trying to teach me through this? How are you inviting me to trust you more fully and walk with you more humbly? Um, and a lot of times we think about enemies as like, I don't have any enemies. Like, who, there's nobody out trying to kill me or I'm not trying to kill anybody. Who are my enemies? But if we were to, to ask that question differently of like, well, who, who do I disagree with? Mm -hmm. Who do I not like? Who do I who do I avoid? <laughs> um, who do I not like to be around? Right? Those if we if we think about enemies in those terms, and we all have people that we think about in that way, uh, whether that's politically or or non political relationships, and the call to love uh, is difficult, mm -hmm. and it's it's supernatural. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about the way that Jesus loved is 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 by God's spirit what He is calling us and equipping us to do which it takes the spirit to love that way. So, so 
Um, but kind of going with the flow of what you're saying, yeah, just um, there are many uh, Christians, uh, people who love Jesus, who walk with the Lord um, and believe that it is um, appropriate to respond to injustice with violence. You look at the history of the church, this happens, right? There are, there are some incredible injustices that have taken place in history. And Christians have responded at times with passivity. Um, some have responded with violence. Um, yeah, just what would you say to somebody who believes that it is the responsibility of the Christian, right? They're making a black and white statement. It is the responsibility of the Christian to respond to injustice with violence. So thanks for banking me into that corner. Yeah, I mean, this is... <laughs> no, it, it, no, that's fair. It, it, this is, this is the, the question it is. Um, at hand. Um, so we all know Christians who uh, are opposed to war. Yeah. And, you know, they're pacifists or whatever they say that I don't... And then we also know of Christians. And one in particular that I've been thinking about a lot the last week or two... Uh, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. um, if you're familiar with the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran minister in Germany um, during World War II. Um, he, he actually left Germany to the United States and then decided that this, he, he said, where does God need me, need me to be? And he, said, and he decided that God was telling him to return to Germany. So he, knowing that he was already in the crosshairs because he was clergy, <laughs> Protestant clergy outside of the the church, the accepted church uh, at that time, um, ret knowingly returned, um, and and he he became part of a group who um, who began planning an assassination attempt. Um, there has been several on uh, on Hitler, um, and this and his is probably not as well publicized as others that movies have been made about. Yeah, but he, but he he decided that that was the right thing to do, you know? And, um, you know, I, I kind of wrestle, is that, is that right? Would I have done the same thing? Was he brave? Was he <laughs> acting improperly? Um, and this is the point where I say I don't have the definitive answer. Mm -hmm. But the, again, the conclusion I came to is I think it's, it would be dangerous for us to, to determine I'll say um, generalizations or say I, I, I believe this way or that way no matter what the circumstances are, particularly before those circumstances present themselves. Mm -hmm. So what I do believe about those who say I'm opposed to war and those like Dietrich that said I'm going to help plan an assassination of Hitler is I trust they were on their knees before their God searching scriptures and say, God, what would you have me do in this moment? Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably my best response that presented the difficult, in a difficult situation, mm. like somebody like Hitler who was, you know, destroying an entire race mm -hmm. um, and felt like he could do something about it. Felt like God was calling him to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't, personally not going to judge <laughs> people on mm -hmm. either side and I hope that I have not only the courage but the honesty that I don't go into that situation with a bias and say I believe that 
this is what we ought to do, that I would go in that situation before a holy God and say, God, tell me what I should do in this mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, you just make me think about um, every Christian in every generation um, has the word. It's, it's tr- the true truth. Um, it is truth. But we also have soil that that, that, that word mm-hmm. takes root in that is different from generation to generation. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, of course, but there are just there. We all have to figure out how to walk with God in our own yeah. our own generation, our own life, and we're faced with things that are that take discernment, they take wisdom, skill in knowing how to apply the scriptures, and it's just not as simple as perhaps maybe we think it is to be. And this question follows that suit. It's it's each. In every generation of the church, it really I mean, has got to figure out how how do I search the scriptures and how do I apply in wisdom um, God's word to my particular circumstances and my particular environment? Which would be what you're saying mm-hmm. is, um, and Christians throughout the, throughout the history of the mm-hmm. church have responded differently because things have been different. Yeah, situations have been different. They have been different. Yeah, and um, and that's why we need each other. It's, it's, we don't just aren't individual Christians trying to figure out how to how to walk with God. We need the body to 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 know how to live wisely. Um, so thank you for that. We'll kind of kind of closing out our. Unless you have anything else you want to respond mm-hmm. with with that kind of stuff. Closing out our um, our time. I just love to kind of move to the practical. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, what, what do you believe? After you've kind of gone through kind of personally, this is how I've wrestled with this. Here are, here are biblical principles that have, have led me to a particular posture. Um, practically, what do you believe is the role of the church, just the ordinary role of the church, the people of God um, in times like these? Yeah. Um, so I think it's useful um, and interesting when, dis- when discussing um, theology discussing ethic um, to challenge ourselves with those difficult questions. What would I do mm-hmm. if I were alive 1940 in Germany as a Protestant minister? Um, but honestly, 99.9% of us will not, and maybe maybe even... <laughs> More of us would will will not be by God's grace in that situation. In these extraordinary circumstances. In those extraordinary circumstances. But we do live ordinary lives in an ordinary way, and God does His work with ordinary people. Yes. So, as interesting as those conversations are, I do think the, the more practical and the and the more helpful for me is to say, okay, so what do we as a church do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. As I thought about justice, um, I became personally challenged, and then I, th- I could say maybe corporately as a church, what are we doing for those who don't have their voice? What are we doing? You know, many passages in the New Testament about orphans and widows mm-hmm. um, for those you know sojourners, foreigners. Um, so if we're not actively involved there. Um, I would, in my opinion, that's probably the place to start. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's let's start with ourselves. Let's start internally. Um, 
you know, I'll just as a practical example, uh, we've we've adopted a daughter in the last two years. <clears throat> I've become much more in tune to the plight of the orphan and the need of the orphan, and I could easily say, well, we brought an orphan into our home, but the number the number of orphans, the number of fatherless um, in the United States, I don't know the number. <laughs> if you're listening, you can go look in your, in your favorite browser yeah. and pull up how many, you know, orphans are there in the United States in 2020, 2021. Or if we'd even say, even in Mason, like, well, there aren't father, there are absolutely fatherless, motherless mm -hmm. children in Mason. There's much to be done just in that one topic. Um, and we could talk about the elderly, and we talk about the widows and, and those, you know, much more we could do there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, and I, and I will say when we talk about the foreigner in our context, my mind goes to, um, to the minority groups, to the marginalized. So it, 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 could, be, it could be the homeless, right? Mm -hmm. We have a, a fantastic work with City Gospel here in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do work here in our church with some homeless in Warren County. Mm -hmm. um, um, but I do think about the Latino community. I think about the African-American community. I think about, you know, women, at least in dominated, male-dominated portions of our society, um, Asian, South Asian. Uh, in, in Mason, that's particular. That's probably our, our, highest, mm -hmm. our, our highest minority group. Um, much can be done there, so I'm personally challenged, yeah. uh, and I think about what do we, as a church, um, I do, and 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 that very much should include um, working politically. Uh, you know, we should be advocating for them with our representatives, mm -hmm. whether it be our local city council, our senators, our congressmen. Um, our own personal involvement. Our own personal involvement. And city councils and running and, and taking yeah. um, taking uh, roles in local government. It's yeah. really important. Okay, you just challenged me because I said we wanted more Christians <laughs> in politics, and we have a whole whole church full of Christians. We do. Who uh, who it, it would be good and right to to bring those views into mm -hmm. the public square. Which I'm actually really encouraged because we actually do have many in our church who actually are part of that. Yeah. So. Um, so thank you for those of you who yeah. <laughs> who are part of that. Um, yeah, you, you know, you make me think about, in order for us to answer this question of how, right, mm -hmm. or what do we do, we have to first answer where. Mm -hmm. Like God has put us in a particular place. He's put our feet on a particular mm -hmm. soil in a particular community with a particular people to live out and embody mm -hmm. these things, these ordinary mm -hmm. acts of kindness, justice, faith, etc. So... Yeah, you gotta, you gotta ask first where. Right. And that, that will help orient us on who is around us, what their needs may be, and how God may be inviting us to meet the needs of our neighbors, so. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, if people are looking for like, what's a simple next step? Yeah, we're in Mason, we're in Cincinnati, uh, City Gospel, uh, whether the, what's the homeless, what's the- Interfaith inter hospitality. Inter inter interfaith hospital, I mean, yeah. just, Bringing a meal yep. <laughs> is a good first step of how to. I mean, honestly, that's how I'll just personally. That's how I got. Per, I I became personally involved with the orphan community by going to Mexico, mm -hmm. 
And because I have a lot of kids, I've been doing it for now over 10 years. So I had a lot of exposure to back to back and through families like the Rosano family in Shepherd's Crook. I've had a lot of exposure. And so it starts with the simplest like, hey, I'm going to just go on a mission trip. I'm going to just bring a meal. And then to me, that's how I've seen God do his extraordinary work. Exactly. Through ordinary means. Yes. Well, I'd love to ask you one last question, which really feels like you've answered it. So really, maybe this is more of a summary, mm-hmm. uh, just help helping helping us as listeners kind of summarize what you've been saying. But how, just how have these events that have taken place challenged you or changed you? Just what has this done to Mark Shaw personally? Yeah. Well, at the beginning, I told you I'm not, this is not my natural position <laughs> to stand in front of a community and to talk about a topic that, um, that at least politically, uh, divides even our church. Um, I, I don't naturally want to do that. So certainly God has challenged me <laughs> to step out in faith uh, once again on this. Um, it has caused me to think more about justice, biblical justice. Um, and. Uh, when, when I read the Old Testament and how God has strongly rebuked Israel for not serving that community, um, um, I know I have. I, I know I would be. I know I would be with the children of Israel, mm-hmm. <laughs> taking the rebuke mm-hmm. from our God for not doing. What we what we should do, um, so it made me think more about, yeah, what can I what can I do personally, and then what can we as a church, um, and of course it's challenged to love to love our enemy. I mean we've heard that since we were you know in Sunday school, <laughs> second grade in Sunday school, and in, in some way I think we have become a little tone deaf to that mm. um, idea. But to embrace this idea of who are those people that I really don't like, mm-hmm. and I really think they have it wrong politically, or just personality-wise, we're just not the same, mm-hmm. right? That command to love um, in a way that Christ loved us, um, that uh, that agape love, where He, who was completely undeserving, mm-hmm. <laughs> who the the Bible says that we were His enemy. Um, and he reached out and he saved us. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a reminder of that, of that, that is the Christian challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Well, there it is. <laughs> Mark, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for uh, being with us. Thank you for writing the blog. So, um, and then answering these questions um, that many uh, people may have and after they yeah. perhaps may read the blog. Yeah, thank you again for the courage to, to speak to this issue and to just put your put your heart out there and and and, and uh, so yeah yeah thank you yeah well thank you and hopefully and thank you for helping me process through this North Cincinnati community yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and thank you listener for being a part of this uh, conversation with Mark Shaw on civil unrest and injustice and just yeah what God is teaching you through what's what's going on culturally. And uh, be sure to, if you haven't done so already, check out Mark's uh, blog post on our website, northcincy.org. And do subscribe to Beyond the 52. 
Uh, we will be doing more uh, conversations as time goes on, so we'd love to have you be a part of those. Thank you.